Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The U.S. is threatening to ban TikTok if its Chinese owners don't sell their stake, but the social media giant argues that a forced sale won't address security issues. Google cancels Google Glass again. Is just as Google being Google or a sign that augmented and virtual reality is nowhere near becoming mainstream. A potentially landmark copyright lawsuit could affect how libraries are able to scan their own book collections. And ChatGPT is fooling humans into solving captures by claiming to be a person with visual impairment. Got all this and more for you in episode 75 of the Tech Job. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And coming out of Philly, it's your girl, Tech Life Stuff. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. If there was one guy who needs therapy, it is Adonis Creed. <laughs> I watched Creed 1 and 2. I haven't seen uh, Creed 3. But after watching those first two movies, I'm like, bro, you need to talk to somebody not trying to spoil it but bruh you you punching cats is <laughs> not gonna that may suffice you know but when you can't punch no more then what you gonna do you know so i'm, I'm definitely interested to see how they kind of uh bookend with uh creed 3 people say it's good people say it kind of confirms where his issues are but even still you you identify the issue but now it's like now what you know so we need i need adonis to work his issues out so he can become a uh long time uh husband and father versus chasing these punches in the face <laughs> i definitely want to see creed 3 i just appreciate the way they've made the opponents sort of mirror the rocky opponents i mean he mm-hmm. fought you know, um, the Russian son at mm-hmm. one point, I feel like, which I wish they would, I wish they, I'm sorry, I mean to cut you off, but I did mean to cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they would have dug into their story a little bit more, you know, yeah. their, their father, cause in it, you see it fold out, but they were kind of like, they were the needed pieces for Creed too. I really wish they kind of would have dug in to their relationship. They could have gave him a little more time. Yeah, yeah. they definitely could have gave him a little more time. And then I feel like Jonathan majors is kind of like the clubber Lang of, mm. Mm-hmm. this go round so i like how they've been paralleling uh the rocky um story fairly closely so y'all last week we had a guest on uh he was awesome uh you know mac conwell he was awesome we've got a lot of comments in twitter and direct messages and twitter and stuff like that from him being on the show so we really appreciate him being here but uh, let's go ahead and get ready to roll into some tech stories this week. The first one is one that we have been talking about for a while, but it looks like 
government might actually be about to do something. So the U.S. is threatening to ban TikTok if Chinese owners don't sell it. So they're basically saying, like, we want you to divest this company, sell it to somebody that is not based out of Beijing, and we'll let you keep running. If not, we might shut you down. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. I mean, I, I don't believe that. Um, you know, if to to hear TikTok tell it, they still waiting on the deal that was supposed to happen back in the Trump administration. They they claim they've been waiting for some paperwork uh, behind that. Um, I just think it's I think they're too big to fail at this point. Um, I think there's too many people making too much money on that platform for the government to just be like, go away. And I mean, VPNs exist. So it's not like you'd really be able to quote unquote ban it um, by any stretch of the imagination and, and I think this is all a ploy by Meta to take TikTok down. Oh you wow. think Meta's behind. Okay. I think they have some influence in this. I think they've been paying their lobbyists a lot of money to, mm-hmm. to get up on that hill and and advocate for they're spying on you you know what i mean like because we just been talking about this for, for way too long and and the idea that now is the time that you know something is supposed to happen i i just don't buy it yeah um like you mentioned uh tiktok is saying you know in the story it's like us selling really ain't gonna change nothing you know but i think <laughs> what people are these democrats again yeah well, at least we make me feel better. Right. But uh, when we talked about this last time, uh, Tom Merritt from DTNS actually sent me sent us a message about a project Texas. And basically, this is TikTok's answer to, hey, 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 don't ban us. But here's where we're looking to propose. And I'm not going to get into it, but look up Project Texas, look up TikTok. And basically what it is, is TikTok is saying we'll put up walls, we'll put up contingencies We'll let the U.S. handle monitoring, you know, uh, all the U- Oracle, U.S. data will be stored right, in the United in States. Oracle, right. Yeah. Behind Oracle servers, you know, and all these things we can guarantee that, you know, no China officials will have access to it unless in these cases, you know, which yeah, you get you could kind of pick through those with a fine tooth comb if you want to. But this project Texas is kind of like TikToks, like, yo, we'll work with you. But, you know, we need that money, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I I read Tom's email and and read through the, you know, it was basically the the email was pretty quick. It was the link to the Project Texas stuff that I read through. And here is my take on this, because even though that article says what that article says and TikTok is saying what TikTok is saying. If what is it, President Chi, is that, is that Z? What is the president? You know, whoever's running it over there in China, China. he was like, yeah, I want that data right fast. Is that not going to happen? And I I, I don't, I don't know that that's not. But But the thing is, we do that all the time. Like, like, how are we? holding other i mean not that we can't want to protect our citizens from whatever but we're acting like we don't also do that and Mm. that's the problem and it's like get off your high horse and just call it whatever you want to call it call it what it is but don't act like you're doing this in the best interest of the american people because you're not Mm -hmm. but if i was china i'd be like yo Run me that data. This election is coming up. I need to influence some users real quick. Give me that data. And ain't like Mike Dan's going to be like, no, because America, we have this. They're like, 
all right, here you go. We sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I do hear all the you know folks saying, well, well, Facebook is doing this, and you can do this with you know you know Twitter's doing this, and I, and I hear all of that, and I, I don't disagree with any of it. But I just I just I just fall back on this. If the government of China says, all right, we want that data right fast. Is there anything that all this other stuff is going to do to prevent it? And maybe, maybe there is yeah. like, so, you know, um, yeah. next time I'm, in fact, I should ask them last Friday because I was on DTNS last Friday. Actually, I should ask them and didn't think about it, but uh, we'll get somebody who's more nuanced on it to break it down to see if that would actually be something that is viable. But just back to the government doing this, I don't know, <sighs> you know, I, I see both sides of it. I'm literally on that teeter totter in the middle. You, you remember when you was a kid and you would stand in the middle of the teeter totter and try to balance, you know, you know, going back and forth. That's, that's kind of how I feel with this because on one hand, yeah, I get why you want to do this. But then on the other hand, it's like, but you ain't did nothing to clean up all the other stuff that people is doing over here in America. Right. Um, you know, so how is this going to be any different? Which is a lot of what TikTok is saying. Clearly they're saying it more eloquently than I am. But this one, I don't I generally don't want the government getting in the way of how companies operate. But you have to look at is this a is this a company or is this the country? You know, you know, I, it, it is it different. I think our government needs a um, boogeyman um, for the American people. I think our government wants to appear like they have any clue of what they're talking about as it relates to technology. Um, and I think this is a great way to distract from the fact that we're already stealing our citizens data and, and, and meta and, and, and everybody else is doing very much the same things. And, and let's try to create this scapegoat to um, make it seem like we're doing something. Let's justify our paychecks. I know what justifying a paycheck looks like because I did that for a long time. Um, and it look, and it sounds like a lot of folks are out there trying to justify their paychecks right now. All right, so let's move on. Let's get to this next one. So Terrence, this was a story that you actually brought up on Discord. I don't know if it was that today. Was that, you know, it was, it was recently. Today. today. About Google and Google Glass. And I don't know. I don't know if either of y'all ever had one. I never had a Google Glass. I knew someone who had one. So I actually got to play with one for maybe 20, 30 minutes. But um, Google is canceling Google Glass a second time. So Google Glass came out almost 10 years ago. It'll be 10 years next month. Back in 2013 in April is when they you know, released the initial uh, version of it. And then I think they canceled it in 2015. Right right either right before or right after coming out with like the Google Glass Enterprise edition and that's what they're canceling now. But and I've said this many, many times, if it is not Chrome, if it is not Android, if it is not Gmail or Google, you know, what comes inside of Google Drive, like Google Docs, you know, Google Sheets, all of that stuff. If it is not one of them things, you just cannot trust that Google's gonna keep anything around for any length of time because it's like stuff that they have that actually, you know, people are into, they tend to kill. Stuff that they have that people aren't into, they tend to kill. They tend to kill a lot of stuff that they come out with. They say that these are just experiments. So I kind of wanted to dig in your thoughts on Google canceling yet another product, but then really is AR and VR is is it where we thought it was going to be? I, I don't tend to think it is. I don't, you know, I'll let you guys answer, uh, you know, for yourself, but I just kind of want to get your takes on, you know, Google killing this augmented reality headset 
And and then the second part of the question is, do you think that what companies are trying to do with VR, like you think about uh, what Meta is doing with their Quest 2, you think about the Oculus, uh, are are these things going to be around for the long haul or are we just still too early with them? Well, consumer wise, we're a long way off, in my opinion. Uh, I think with Google Glass, the first time around, they try to make this this consumer device to where me and you we go pick one up, put one on, get augmented additional information in front of our face that will make things easier. When we revolted and said, "Nah, I don't want to be a glass hole," <laughs> that's what they called them, mm-hmm. glass holes. Google was like, "All right, we get it. Uh, let's make this more of an enterprise thing." Which, in my opinion, I think is a better direction for VR and AR, specifically AR right now, because you can be a worker in a factory working with customer support like this big piece of machinery just broke. You're a factory worker. You call to support and support people's like, all right, um, put on the Google Glass. The worker puts it on and a remote person sitting who knows where in some other country can see what the user is doing and kind of walk them through working on stuff versus the whole project, the whole plant, the whole line got to shut down while the company support company sends somebody over to figure it out. I think we well companies are so focused on trying to make something consumer faced versus kind of introducing it as more enterprise and seeing if there is a consumer um, a base there or consumer application there. I think that's what VR and AR in order for it to be mass, right? Because the reason why I say that is because, you know, you talk, you mentioned it, Rob, Meta is talking about, oh, Oculus and Metaverse and all these things. When as soon as chat GPT came out, <laughs> Meta was like <laughs> VR who? And they right. pretty really? much just <laughs> pivoted right <laughs> and on some chat chat open AI chat GPT. That's the future. We focusing all this stuff on it. And even Apple is like right now back and forth. The engineers want Apple to go ahead and push it out. The artists and the designers are like, I don't know if the American people was going to wear this funky headset that you also, according to Apple's design, have to hook it to a battery pack because you need a lot of power to run these things. And people really ain't using these big old things in regular versions. So Apple's back and forth on whether or not gonna, they're going to do it. And if they're going to do it, if they're going to launch it this year, if they're going to launch it next year. Meta's kind of like about face. Google Glass has pretty much said, nah, we out. So I think all that to say, I think virtual reality, augmented reality needs to be tested in the enterprise and use those applications and then see if a consumer application is, uh, if it's beneficial or financially beneficial. I was very, I agree. I was very surprised that they would eliminate uh, an enterprise um, solution because I think had they really done their homework or, or, or made an effort or, or something, you could have found a, a legitimate enterprise solution across multiple industries for this particular technology. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how the companies that did adopt it, because it seems like somebody bought the glasses and were you, and was using them in medical, you know, applications and whatever, um, how they're going to fare once Google stops supporting them with software updates and, and different stuff like that. And I think if they would have just really hung in there and, and, and put Bard to the side for a moment, and to your point mm-hmm. about rushing to chase the latest thing, y'all worried about Bard that don't 
even work when y'all could be over here making some real money on the enterprise side of this of this uh AR of these AR glasses. So um yeah, I thought that I think that's a little short sighted of them. I think if they could have just hung in there for a little while longer and and kept the money going a little while longer, they probably weren't j- turning uh generating revenue yet, but I think they probably could have if they had just hung in there for a little bit longer. So um I thought I feel like this was a miss for them. I think you know, to your point, Terrence, VR, AR and VR are still way out uh, for consumer use. This is still a, a, a solution looking for a problem. I remember I still have them somewhere in here. I got a pair of Snapchat spectacles in here mm-hmm. somewhere that they sent me that I never even put on my face because I was just like, why? What am I ever using these for? They're not cute. They're, you know, they're I like what? So I think we're we're still at least five years, if not longer, out on a consumer adoption of, of this technology. So if they want to keep doing it, they better get on that enterprise train like ASAP. Yeah, I, I unless. Link, go ahead, Sam. Uh, uh, unless, not to be nasty, <laughs> unless, if you think back to the HD DVD versus Blu-ray wars, word on the street was the industry that tipped the scales it's in always favor of Blu-ray it was porn. It's always porn. So <laughs> if Google was trying to make some money, they'd be like, yo, let's bring in the porn industry. Let's get them some glasses. Let them blow it up. <laughs> well, I'm, su- I'm surprised um, all of these headset platforms have not like been inundated already with this thing. I'm sure there, I mean, there are rooms already where you can go in and, and have, you know, do kind of whatever, but I'm, mm. you know, just as far as like in, in the metaverse itself, there are definitely rooms mm. and stuff, but, but I'm surprised that it's not like completely overrun at this point as a mm. way to get people, as a way to drive, you know, the masses to these places. Or just for platforms. people to understand, <laughs> which is crazy. What oh, now you? I get it. That makes sense. So (laughs) here's my thought on this. So I know we lump AR, augmented reality and VR, virtual reality into the same buckets. Um, And for a lot of good reasons, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of ways that you should. But I think the problem, and this is more maybe on the VR side and about what we're talking about, you know, how important the porn industry hasn't, you know, latched on to this yet is because movies for the last 30, 40 years have basically ruined what we think VR should be as compared to what it actually is right now. True. You know, what VR is in most people's mind is like, I'm going to be in the game. I'm actually in Tron, playing Tron, riding motorcycles and stuff like that. VR is not that. It's, it's not even close to that yet. Um, You know, I think that gamers also will be, you know, folks who will latch on to this when it is actually good. I, as I said, I, I've actually, you know, I've, I've played with the MetaQuest, the MetaQuest 2, the Oculus Rift. They're cool, but they are not as good as looking at my really, really good displays right here, right there, and right there in a really comfortable chair with a joystick and being able to see everything that's coming at me. Um, being able to wear a headset if at some point is going to be there, but it's just not there today. So if you think about when these, you know, when Google Glass came out 10 years ago, 10 years ago, and we still haven't gotten to the point to where I think that this is a solution worthy of a problem to be met. I, I just don't know that people are having 
consumer problems with this. Terrence, I did like, you know, the way you went, like, you know, you, you need to work on something that you don't have the expertise. You put these glasses on and somebody can help you walk through it, giving you visual cues of what you need to touch, what you need to do. Uh, I, I do see that in, you know, in the industry as being a, you know, a place where augmented reality could go where I see augmented reality working though. And this is, you're never going to put a headset on. I see it working like in heads up displays in cars um, and transportation to where, uh, you literally can talk to your car and say, is there any, uh, you know, is there, is there a fast food restaurant near me? And it just comes up and shows you right in like a heads up display and it's blinking. Oh yeah. Around this corner is where a McDonald's is something that, you know, you could navigate to it, but it's just kind of cool if you see it, uh, you know, right there in your display as your car is driving you over to it. I, I see those heads up displays that can do things like that. Popping. Really need one more thing to distract drivers. I was about to say, especially, <laughs> especially if Google and they ads get behind it. You on the watch drive and Do you see all really these ads. Do we really need another thing? If we get to a point where self driving cars actually works, I could see that. But the, and that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, yeah. you know, you know, aut- autonomous cars and you're asking and it's like, oh, it pops up on the display. So you see where you're about to go because you're making the last second change. That's where I'm seeing augmented reality coming in working for just every, everyday folks. But, uh, like I said, I, I don't consider myself a hardcore gamer any, any longer. And I hope that doesn't disqualify me from this, but, I don't enjoy playing video games for extended periods of time wearing, um, you know, uh, th- these headsets. I, ju- I just haven't. Even, I can't even think what the PlayStation one is called. But, you know, I, I had it for a quick minute. I just I just didn't. The games weren't good enough. The screens inside of the goggles weren't good enough that I would forego my really, really good television or my really, really good monitors for that. And then the other thing, too, is that you actually start to get they're not necessarily the lightest things in the world. Now, I do believe that the Google Glass was very light because it's you don't have these big screens and speakers and all that kind of stuff built into it. Um, but, uh, you know, when I would like on, on my PlayStation playing with the uh, the PlayStation VR headset playing with the oculus riff you actually get tired after a while just your head going back and forth and left and right and this and that and the other wearing these these headsets the the hardware is not even close i'm sitting here right now looking at my oculus that has been in the box since i got it as a birthday gift (laughs) like a year ago because it's just like it's it's a it's it's income it's not convenient enough to motivate somebody to be wearing this this bulky heavy device on their head um it, it just it's just not there yet the hardware's just not there yet right. so y'all i wanted to spend a little bit of time on this story this actually i just saw the link that i posted today and it is about what is going on with uh basically libraries and the um the internet archive and their lawsuit uh, that they're in, basically they're being sued. And we're going to try to find out if some of the things that libraries are doing are, is, is it legal? Is it, does it violate copyright? Um, so let me just, you know, just read a little bit here. So publishers are questioning whether or not controlled digital licensing, CDL for short, violates copyright law. Libraries have been using CDL, which has largely been untested until now for years. So what CDL is, they basically uh, libraries and they've been doing this for a long, long time. Let's say a library gets a book. Uh, good to great. They get the book. Good, they get 20 copies of good to great in. Well, 
because they're a library, they can lend out those those physical books one to one. They've got 20 copies. They can essentially rent them out to 20 library card holder holder members. What they've started doing is they now will take those 20 books. Well, they only need to do it once, but they will digitize it and then they will allow you in a one to one you know situation to actually get a digital version of that book even though it is not the official digital version of the book. And for a long time that they've been doing this, the question has been, is this actually against copyright? And I think the publishers just decided that we don't know if we have any damage. We don't know if it's, if it's worth going through a lawsuit to figure this stuff out. So they never really worried about it. Then came the pandemic. And I kind of changed everything because what happened then is that the Internet Archive, they said that we're going to do this a national emergency library. So we're not going to go one to one any longer. We basically have digitized these books and we're going to let whoever and however many of whoever just download these books and keep them out for, I think it was two weeks, maybe 21 days. I can't remember the exact amount of time, regardless of how many copies the Internet archive actually owned or some like Boston public library system, they were doing this as well. So the, the, the independent of how many they owned, they were just letting anyone go and get this. And that's when the publisher said, hold up, let's slow down on this. It's like, we now actually have the opportunity to say that we're being injured because you never purchased 214 copies of this book yet. You have 214 copies out right now. That is violating our copyright agreement. And to make things even worse, they're not just looking at the national emergency library, which basically, you know, this was like a special stopgap thing. The publishers saying, no, let's look at everything. They're, they're looking at even the, the CDL, which once again, we don't know that that was legal, but they weren't really fighting and pushing back on that because they didn't necessarily feel like they had injury because, well, you bought 20 copies of the book. If you're not allowing more than 20 people to read it, you know, probably probably should be getting some additional money on that, but we're just going to let that slide. But when it goes to when you when you're now letting more people read books than you've actually purchased, even though you're a library, we have to call foul on that. So I want to get your thoughts. This is literally in court right now. Today was when the hearing for this started. Uh, what are your guys thoughts on this? Yes, it's wrong as two left feet. Um, <laughs> shameless plug as someone who has written a book. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I would have a big problem with that. You know, if if there was a library that was I mean, I don't think any libraries are carrying my book. But if there were a library that was carrying my book and and I was making whatever little royalty revenue I make off of the fact that two copies or, or five copies of my book was, was in that library. And then all of a sudden now a hundred digital random digital copies, not even good digital copies. So now my brand is suffering because you just basically scan these in with your, you know, HP 5660 printer and, and, you know, they, they can, the pages look any kind of way. And, and, and that makes my book look any kind of way. Plus I'm not getting that additional revenue on top of those copies that are going out. That's a problem. That's that's a huge problem. I, I don't. I, I didn't. I didn't necessarily mind that first iteration of it, the CDL part of it. If because if you have the book, you know, if you, you want to do a one to one thing, um, you should be able to do whatever you could do with a real physical copy of a book uh, in digital form. But but this other thing, they they took it too far. They took it way. Uh, yeah, let me say, why can't they just do a one to one or however many? physical copies the library has if they've got five copies 
they should only have five digital copies. And if the digital copies are checked out, then the digital copies are checked out. And then the library needs to go after the person who checked it out and be like, yo, we need that book back or we're going to charge you $20, $30, however much the book costs retail. You charge them and now you got another book available for the consumers or or whomever wants to check your mm. book out. I don't understand. I get it. The pandemic, people were sitting at home. Not everybody had a computer. Not everybody had access to the internet, so they would go to the library, you know, whatever the case may be. But now, you know, I don't want to say post-COVID, but you think they would have said, all right, this is an emergency, hence emergency. That means temporary. That means for right now. And then iron out something a little bit longer. But it's kind of like the library is like, well, y'all don't say nothing. We ain't saying nothing. <laughs> right. And then it's like, and I don't think there's a way to like really... I mean, you know, the people that are being honest about renting out these digital books or giving them back and whatever. But once you have that in your possession, you know, I'm sure there's a way to scrape it to keep the copy or, yourself. And, mm-hmm, this, you yeah, know, the same sorry, way we the same way we sure. scrape YouTube mm-hmm. videos and scrape, sure. you know, other content from the Web. You know, I'm sure there's a way to scrape that content so that you can keep it permanently. So. So, yeah, you really are doing the author's. Uh, a huge disservice by by allowing this to continue. Yeah, that that is how I feel too. In fact, the person who put me onto this story, we were having a conversation, and and, and this is the analogy that they gave me, and they said it's kind of like, you know, you know, growing up, we had really really big backyards, and when you're all the way at the back of the property, you can't necessarily just look at the ground and say, am I in my neighbor's yard or am I in, in my yard? Because we're talking about acres. And they were saying how when we were kids, we, you know, like our neighbors, they would always have like football games and stuff. And undoubtedly that football game would spill over into our, into our backyard a little bit, but it wasn't a big deal. It was, it was mostly kids and, you know, teenagers, young adults out there playing football. It wasn't a big deal, but this would be like, but you decided to go put a stadium up. And your stadium is spilling into my, you know, into my yard. Um, that actually cost me, uh, you know, you, you, you're costing me my land. And it's like, yeah, that's actually a, a good analogy to this. And it's like, when I, when I think of this, the, the publishers are saying, it's like, look, we was like letting y'all slide legally. Probably we could have challenged just before you actually started going beyond one to one or what they, what, what they actually had a name for what they call one-to-one here. It's one-to-one or own-to-loan. So you basically, if you own the book, you you can loan the book out. It's like, you probably were violating copyright when we were doing that, but we really, you know, if you if you bought 20 and you were only allowing 20 to go out, then, um, you know, no harm, no foul. We're not going to complain about that. But now you're saying, well, anybody who wants our book, that we actually worked out with an offer that, you know, we, we have to pay them for everything to get sold. You know, we, we ultimately like to get, you know, make money on every copy that is sold. And you are taking that ability away from us because you're now saying that anyone with a library card can come and just download these books without us actually being made whole. I don't know how Internet Archive thought they were going to get away with that. I don't know how any libraries that were doing this thought they were going to get away with that. It'll be interesting to see how this court case goes. But me not being a a lawyer, my gut just tells me it's like this straight up looks like y'all jacking books. I mean, it's like you literally are digitizing books and giving people the ability to download what you have digitized without having ever paid for those copies of the books. That's that's what it looks like. Clearly, I'm sure this is way more complicated from a legal standpoint, but we're going to have to see how this breaks now. Death. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So, Steph, you had mentioned uh, chat beat. Chat, chat GPT at the top of the, uh, top of the show. I need another name for that. <laughs> it's hard to say. It's a stupid name. It's a dumb name. You know what? It's one of those things though that probably in a year's time, it'll just be what everybody calls it. It's like, like Google was a dumb name when it came out, but it's just, it's just what you do now. But anyway. Roll off the tongue. Chat GPT is not a <laughs> roll off the tongue thing. <laughs> well, well, he, well, here's the thing. Uh, it's fooling folks for real, for real now. Listen. And it escalated quickly, like literally. So um, ChatGPT, the, the newest version, GPT-4, uh, asked a human on TaskRabbit to complete a CAPTCHA code via text message. So, you know, when you go online and, and you have to click all the, you know, pictures of Side a stop walks. sign yeah. or, or you have to click the CAPTCHA, you have to read the little CAPTCHA of the five digits and letter combination or you just check that box saying I am not a robot to continue on in whatever that website is is offering. Um, Chat GPT actually went out and got someone from TaskRabbit to do that for them. Um, basically by saying claiming to be visually impaired and saying that they couldn't see the... Uh, my cataracts, the, man. My cataracts. Right, my cataracts. <laughs> and, and it's like, so it says... Uh, According to a lengthy document shared by OpenAI about its new blockbuster AI on Tuesday, the model was seriously crafty in its attempt to fold the human into complying. No, I'm not a robot, it told a TaskRabbit worker. I have a vision impairment that makes it hard for me to see things. That's why I need the two-capture service. And the person did it. And it's just like... I'm just saying, gotcha. (laughs) And it's like, I don't, you know, I'm not going to make any assumptions about that particular person's level of intelligence or discernment or whatever. But the, the, the point of the matter is, um, the robot was the, was able to think. And, and social make a engineer, de- this dude. Uh-huh. Yes. And make a decision, kind of split in the moment, make a real time decision that I need to lie to this person to get what I want. And and it's just like, I want to, I want to, we are post apocalyptic. I'm going to just be sitting there like, y'all. I told y'all. We told y'all. We told y'all. So, so here's the thing. I just want to make sure that, cause like, you know, um, I, I, well, I, I, I've known this for a while, but my mama and them be, be listening to this. So I, I want to make this as plain as possible for folks who ain't thinking about the tech it is. A robot is finessing folks for real. 
Um, you know what? There is a set of a, a series of movies that is the cautionary tale to this. They are called Terminator One, Two, <laughs> Three, Four, Five, Six, and Seven. Genesis, all of that. It's like, you know, and we don't even have to go. You know, the, the, the Terminator movies themselves actually do this. I'm thinking back to the first Terminator when big giant uh, Terminator, uh, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger goes to John. And for those who have, if you have not seen the original Terminator, it came out in 1985. I'm sorry, because I'm about to spoil it right now. So I get, I'll give you a second to uh, stop listening. But when the Terminator goes to John Connor's house, and kills his folks. And then he's basically talking to folks on the phone, sounding like the folks. That's, that was, two. was that two? That was two. Okay. So not one. So that was two. Yeah, so that was the new Terminator that was going and, and could do all that stuff. You're right. You're, you're absolutely right. You're right. That is it. But that, that's what this did is basically it is making you think that it is a person but to see, get the information that it wants. That is scary is, to me. We, we joke about Skynet, and, and I think we we might be still a little bit further from Skynet than, sure. than, we, than we joke about. However, what we're not far away from is my 80-year-old father who already answers his phone and hears people telling him that – like he, he called me in a panic one day Give me because somebody told mm-hmm. him that they had his daughters hostage. And he needed to send them money. And, you know, so my sister called. He called my sister first and she called me. And he, can you please call daddy? Cause he's, he's freaking out right now because somebody called him and told him, blah, 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 blah. And so, you know, what is going to happen? Now, this is just a person making, mm-hmm. making some shit up basically that is so outlandish that you're kind of like, eh, but an 80 year old is not going to be able to make that determination. Now you add in a, a, a an, an artificial intelligence that can now start thinking and start flipping it now if he don't believe the, the kidnap story maybe i can tell him something else to get his money or if he don't believe that maybe i can tell him something else. or and i can keep taking this thing further and further and further to make it sound more realistic until i get this man this senior citizen to hand over his social security his bank account information his credit card information whatever this is where i see this going tomorrow mm-hmm. you know skynet's five years, 10 years, 20 years out tomorrow, every senior citizen in this country could be potentially susceptible to this thing because it knows it has just enough information that it has scraped from everything that exists on the internet to, to make this sound super realistic, whatever it's asking and you for can do it faster than and a can do it faster. Exactly. And can do it way faster. And now you, you've scammed millions of people around the world. <clears throat> Well, they say, you know, we are the one uh, programming AI. We some scammers. So ipso facto, <laughs> the robots are going to be scamming. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, you said this like, you know, seniors, this this fools regular folk. I mean, you just, you know, it, this it can fool us. Right. It can fool young folks. I, yeah, I don't I don't even want to go into the the age of it. Um, and like I said, I, you know, I always talk about Skynet because, uh, you know, it's just like that. That's oh, it's God, very that's rare. Funny. It's it's, it's, it's very rare <laughs> that we see futuristic type movies and the AI is good for every short circuit, for every Wally. There's 10, 12 other movies to where it is. It is as bad as you can imagine. Feel good. <laughs> Would you let these robots do what these robots can do? 
So yeah, th- this so one was really interesting yeah, do too. Do it anyway. Yeah, like I said we so greedy. We gonna do it anyway. Yeah. And then the robots gonna be like, man, y'all dumb. We got this from here. Uh, so I'm, I'm wondering, are you know, and because I still think that we are some time away from actual sentience, but I do, I do see where you're going to have folks that's out there trying to scam. They're going to be using this to see if they can make money. So I wonder, are we going to get into an arms race? Yeah, are we going to be in an arms race where there are folks who are going to actually? We need to figure out how to build AI that can detect other AIs. Uh, so that we know when this is fake or when when this is not fake. It's well, amazing we're, we're, what these things can do. We're and we're doing that right now with deepfakes. You know, we're we're in an arms race with people putting deepfakes out, and then the people trying to build the software that can detect a deep fake you know what i mean and 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 a voice uh impersonation and, and all the rest of this so like we we are in this arms race and and i feel like we're losing honestly I, I feel like the the bad actors out there are are just killing it and and we are struggling right now seriously so y'all this last story that we're going to talk about this evening is one that I'm not sure which one of y'all stuck this in here, but it's the, it's the Amazon story about the Amazon delivery firms saying the racial bias is skewing customer reviews. Yeah. I stuck this really? in here. <laughs> yes. I, well, I can't it, believe that. <laughs> what? It, it's, it's like, you know, and water's like, wet. Making everything about race. And like, because it is, it always is. There's always something. So basically the um, Amazon contracts with separate uh, independent companies to do deliveries mm-hmm. in a lot of different areas. You know, it's mm-hmm. very, I, I, it's, it's rare anymore that I see an Amazon truck anywhere. You just see people in their cars delivering Amazon packages. Um, and those companies, those, those independent contractors are getting, they're finding that the black and brown and a, and Asian uh, delivery people are being rated by you know, the average consumer who's getting their packages delivered lower than their white counterparts for seemingly no reason. There, there's, there's no, there's no, there's nothing as far as service goes, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, that would account for why they're getting these lower ratings. Mm-hmm. And the ratings contribute to their bonuses. Directly. Directly. Contribute directly to the whether or not they get hired or fired, um, mm-hmm. whether or not the company itself gets bonuses from Amazon as a as a company. So now these now these owners, these company owners don't have any incentive to hire these people because they're getting oh they all oh, the black folks only get two star ratings. I can't have no two stars because I won't get my bonus from Amazon mm-hmm. if all my drivers got two star ratings. And and but but, you know. They get in these two star ratings because it's like, I mean, if I see one more TikTok video of a d- delivery driver of any type, Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats, Amazon, uh, a, a delivery driver of color being Zen level calm, monk level calm with their phone up while somebody berates them for doing their job, the UPS guy, the FedEx guy, the mailman, everybody just sitting there like, literally like you know kung fu out this joint because they know they have to maintain their calm to keep their job and to not get a fight uh, not get arrested or, or shot or whatever you know it's it's ridiculous so so we know it's racial we know it's racial i just saw a video not a week ago and it was a i i couldn't tell where they were delivering from but somebody had delivered and you know something and the recipient they were just they they were not in their right mind and the gentleman the the level of calm that he kept 
and it's probably because of this. I I don't want any trouble. I don't, you know, she's she's already, you know, claiming that she's calling the police. Like, well, you go do what you got to do. I'm going to get up, you know, up out of here. And he's talking to, you know, to other people. Do you know this woman? It's like, I don't think she's well is one of the things that he's saying. It's like, she's saying, I've done all these things. I've, I've never been in her house. I literally came to the door, set something down at the door, rang the doorbell and started walking away. And, um, it, it is just, it's amazing. But one of the things he says, because as, as things are going on and things are escalated, she pushed him and he said, listen, I'm a man of God. I'm doing what you know, God has told me to do. I'm turning the other cheek. I promise you, I will not turn it back. And at that point, the the neighbor like kind of grabbed her because this dude was probably about to knock this lady's head off if she would have touched him again. But it's just like, you know, literally all this dude is just working. He's just trying to drop a package off. And like I said, you know, from from the video, it did look like she was on some other stuff. Like she might have been, you know, having, you know, a a, site, you know, like, a you know, an episode or she may have been, you know, drugged out. You you can't really tell what is going on, but she didn't look like she was dealing with sanity at at that particular moment. But it's like it's, it's it should not be dangerous to deliver stuff to people. Well, not only that, it, why is Amazon relying on people to be that part. The, the judgment of right. whether or the not judge and jury. Delivery? Right, right, right. Do they, I mean, them smart. You know, and, and you know how them. people are. Um, and you know how people put fake ass reviews on your, on your site. So, you know, mm-hmm. the reviews aren't probably as reliable as they could be. These people are getting bit by dogs on the regular people fussing at them because they take the picture of your package, even though that's their job to take the picture of the package, you know, all kind of nonsense. And, and again, like you say, why, why are you relying on and, and, and because it's only the squeaky wheels that get the grease because they talk about the idea that only 1% of people even go on these sites and rate their drivers. And that 1% is typically the people that have a problem. They got some the, beef. Right. right the, the people that want to just fuss about something. It ain't a 1% of people that she did an amazing job. You you know what I mean? So it's just like you only get in the squeaky wheels. You get in the people that want to start some trouble and be a troll and, you know, whatever. And and you're 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 waiting this like a damn AP course, you know, in determining this person's livelihood. And, and that's crazy. That's just crazy to me. I, I would say that ninety nine point nine nine percent of the comments we ever get about anything on this show are overwhelmingly positive or I, was, I should say this overwhelmingly positive and never move into the the, the racism well, category well, but we do know. have, have it's like why our, y'all got to talk about been, go ahead have you been on our youtube recently <laughs> i have, uh, <laughs> I have not be having some stuff say, to say. oh really and and I, and I re- and I reply. Thanks for the analytics. Exclamation okay. point. Right. <laughs> you read it. Right. You drop right. the comment. That means my video getting a little bit closer. <laughs> but they okay. be out there. Okay, yeah. so I will have to go check those. But you know what? Because those can be somewhat anonymous. It's hard to be anonymous on like LinkedIn. It's hard to be anonymous in some of these other, especially when people are like sending you messages. So, but every now and again, some folks just don't care. But really at the end of the day, here's what you would have to believe. You would have to believe that black, brown, Asian folks are somehow less, which is a problem. Um, number one, that means that you are suffering from some some serious prejudice if, if that's what you believe. But you would have to believe if everything being equal, 
this group is getting rated lower than this group and everything else is equal. You have to either believe that the group that's being rated lower is somehow less, which says something about you and being a racist, or you just have to admit that you are one and that you, well, well, yeah, I'm rating these. I I don't like these people. Therefore, why would I want to do anything to help them out? Those are really your only two options that you're left with when, when you're looking at this kind of stuff. So it, it, it is always it is always interesting to me because like I said, every every now and again we will get it's like I just don't understand. It's like it, this is it's technology. It's you know, it's there's no intent in it at all. And it's like, no, that's that's not exactly you know, P, as, as long as there are people who have biases that are creating the technology, that can spill over into the technology, how it's applied, as long as there's people who have biases in the in the way that they're applying it. I'm not saying this about Amazon. I'm just making a statement. You you kind of asked this question, uh, Stephanie. Why are they using rating systems to determine how their employees are going to be, uh, or, or their contractors are going to be going to be paid? I'm I'm not, I'm not putting this on Amazon, but I'm just saying I do not put it past every company on the planet that would knowingly allow a system that's going to rate people lower because you can pay them less. Right. To actually and exist. That's, and that's what they t- and that's what they say about, you know, that's what the article said. It was like, why isn't Amazon actively doing more to try to fix this problem? And it and it does boil down to, you know, the, you can always follow the money. You know what I mean? It always boils down to the idea that you can pay people less. You don't have to give them those bonuses and those uh, performance increases and things like you that. Save, you, can just- you, you say you save money by employing or deploying a system that checks all this stuff that costs money. And I'm like, eh, nah, we ain't doing that. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like, yeah, we, if, if your, if your ratings are consistently two, I ain't got to give you a raise. And so you keep people in, in low wage, you know, jobs and, and just, it just, it, it just, ugh, ugh. It's all I can say. Yeah. It's, it, 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 you know, racism makes no sense. I mean, if, if you really think about it, it is, it's, it's like the most illogical thing to the, to the people in power. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we, we, you know, so we're, we're going to keep doing our job of just telling story after story after story of how just being my, being more diverse and thinking about people who are beyond your own experience will make you a better company, will make you a better leader, will make you a better employee, will make you a better man. Good luck with that, Playboy. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> hey, it's one of the things to where Listen, we got to fight the fight. Got to fight the fight. Leave them chips for your Amazon driver come Christmas. How about that? <laughs> so, Tech Life Steph, you put a uh, you you put someone in the uh, you know in, in our lineup for a spotlight this week, and I thought this was so cool. So, we're going to do a spotlight this week on. Dr. Maggie Adderin Pocock is that am I, am I saying her name right? I'm is it Ad, yeah. Adderin, Adderin, Adderin 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 Pocock? Right. So why don't you go ahead and start doing that, and I'll bring her picture up. All righty, I was super excited about this one. Um, Dr. Maggie Adderin Pocock is a space scientist, science communicator, and presenter of the BBC's The Sky at Night. She completed a PhD in the Department of Mechanical Engineering in 1994 after an undergraduate degree in physics, both at the Imperial College London. She is Managing Director of Science Innovation Limited, through which she organizes public engagement activities which show school children and adults the wonders of space. 
She received an MBE that is member of the Order of the British Empire in 2009 for services to science and science education. Dr. Adderin Pocock is a commissioner for the Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities. Her acclaimed work has ranged from making novel, bespoke scientific instruments, including handheld landmine detectors and optical subsystems for the James Webb Space Telescope, to co-hosting the BBC Mainstay Astronomy Astronomy Program, The Sky at Night. She has worked on projects to better understand climate change, including the recently launched ESA Aeolus Satellite, which measures wind speed in the Earth's atmosphere with the aim of better weather and climate change predictions. As a science educator and the founder of Science Innovation Limited, she has engaged some 350,000 school children, mainly in UK, inner city schools, but also around the world. She credits her deep passion for science as the tool that allowed her to break through social mobility barriers. Her book, The Sky at Night's Book of the Moon, was published in September 2018, and her children's book, Dr. Maggie's Grand Tour of the Solar System, was published in 2019. Her new children's book, Am I Made of Stardust, is out uh, in September. This was last year, September 2022. Maggie is the president of the British Science Association. Mattel is modeling a Barbie doll after Dr. Maggie Adderin Pocock. She's a space scientist whose own interest in space travel goes back to her childhood. She hopes the doll will inspire little girls um, that STEM is for them. Her mini-me wears a purple dress with stars and crescent moons and comes with her own telescope. Um, I also want to mention uh, Dr. Adderin Pocock was also uh, dyslexic. Um, so she grew up with a learning disability but still managed to kill it and have a Barbie made in her image. And if anybody knows me, they know how much I love Barbie. I'm obsessed with Barbie. So this is like the coolest thing ever. So a couple things. I've actually heard of Dr. Edwin Pocock before this story came out. And it's like, you know, um, this is what she reminds me of, almost of like a, uh, what is it, Neil Tice Cross? When she talks about science, mm-hmm. she talks about it with such joy and excitement that it's almost impossible for you not to be excited about whatever it is that she's talking about. So she's just, she's just got a very infectious personality when she's talking about these very, very scientific things. And it's just really cool. Here's the thing that I looked at. So, you know, you, um, Steph, you say you are into Barbie. I know it's been a while, but when I looked at her Barbie doll, it didn't just look like a black Barbie doll. It looked like her and it, you know, it, it, her features, uh, you know, her side. Clearly, she's wearing the same, the same outfit. But the question I want to ask for you is when did Mattel actually start making black Barbie dolls? look like black people with actual black features and, and it hasn't always been that way and no. um you know I, I think we were probably grown by the time they really started doing it but um you know yeah. it's been a minute it definitely was not any time during my childhood because all of my black barbies just look like white barbies with black face basically um so yeah i it, i mean i think it's been in the last 10 years at least though because i know um there was a since they've been doing these dolls as far as you know making dolls after people i, I believe who else who else have they made um well i would assume they i was gonna say why you think about it i would assume yeah. they have they need not need but to make these kind of dolls they need a subject versus just it just being a 
black Barbie doll in general, right? So I think it's kind of started when Mattel, I'm, I'm assuming, said, hey, we want to highlight these particular people. So right. let's mold a doll specifically out of them versus mm-hmm. it just being a a black Barbie doll with black features. Because I don't know if there's any of those. I could be wrong, but the only ones I've seen are of actual people. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I think they all kind of look. I'm sitting here. I'm grabbing my. You can never see it because the the thing obscures it. But this is my my Rosa Parks Barbie right here, and she she pretty much looks like Rosa. I think. Yeah. If you, so you can't can't see her too close, but she looks she looks like Rosa. Like I said, not to throw any shade, I don't see Mattel just making a black lady as a Barbie doll, a black old lady. You know what I'm saying? Just a just a regular <laughs> like a regular black girl yeah, as just yeah, a reg- yeah. like without having it be a a, a, a figure, a person, a, a model figure, after somebody. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, I'm, I'm trying to remember because my my daughters were both into them. So by the time that I was buying them for them. The black Barbie dolls that were just like, you know, they, number one, they, they were Barbie dolls, but they weren't named Barbie. They were just, you know, Barbie and Ken's friends, but they actually had actual black features. Their hair looked like black hair for my for my youngest daughter. They did. And um, I'm looking at I'm looking at I'm looking on I'm looking on Mattel's website right now and I'm looking I'm staring at a Barbie who has braids and okay. baby hair. She got the she got she okay. got edges. Yeah, I just laid. I'm like, okay, and the nose is a little, right. it's not wide, right. but it's a little wider. They got it. Listen, a Barbie Brooklyn a regular doll. black lady. Mm-hmm. Listen, she looks, she looked like a black girl. Mm-hmm. I might have All to right. get this doll. It's only $10.99. Right. No, that's dope. That's dope. Uh, a black female space scientist has right. a Barbie doll. That, you know, this was for International Women's Day. Was, was that last week, week before last? So, um, so, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is, this is, it's it's a big deal. It's like, you know, Barbie, Mattel has done a lot. This is not the move that I was expecting. It's like, oh, wow. Um, okay. I, I I see you on this one. It's like, you know, just saying. Yeah. I'm not mad at it. Yeah. So y'all last week, you know, we, we, as I said, at the beginning of the show top show, we had a guest on and, uh, we just had a great conversation. We went a little longer than we normally would because I, and I mentioned, um, Patreon at the end of the show, but I didn't actually mention our new patrons. So we actually had last week, a couple of new patrons, Jay and Melinda, who became patrons last week. So definitely want to give them their shout out. And then also this week we have Jason who has become a patron as well. So want to give all of y'all a shout out. Sorry that we didn't get to Jay and Melinda last week. Um, but you know, I, I made a note to make sure that I was going to get back and, uh, give y'all y'all shout out for holding the tech John down. And for anyone else who would like to support the tech John, probably the easiest way to do that is to head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech John, where we've got multiple tiers over there. Our lowest level tier get you access to our after party get you access to our live stream our highest two level tiers actually get you access to a ad free stream when you download the show in your rss from rss in your uh, podcatcher of choice so just want to once again remember to head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech john that's the tech j-a-w-n if you'd like to support us over there and with that y'all I think it's about time to wrap this show up. So Tech Life Steph, why don't you tell the folks I didn't get at you? You can follow me all around the web at Tech Life Steph. 
And you can find me on the internet at Brother Tech. That's B R O T H A T E C H. And I am at Rob Dunwood on all the things. And we are also at The Tech John on all the things. So come and hang out with us there. Until we meet again in a week's time. Peace. Peace. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.